Ay, 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 ay. This is another exciting episode of Ay, 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 ay where I am very excited. Uh, how about you, Lucky and Josh? Man, I'm excited to have another day of Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> AI. Um, today we have a special guest uh, from my neck of the woods um, from the Department of Veteran Affairs. We have Josh. And he's going to give us some insight and in how um, we're doing AI different and uh, how the technology is helping us improve how we serve veterans and, and look at uh, data and without getting into it, without, but the data that really helps us make a difference. So, uh, Josh, welcome. Hey, thanks. I, 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 I am very excited to be here today and be a part of this podcast. So I appreciate the invite. Josh, um, <clears throat> every episode, you know, we, we try to bring that excitement into the I, 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 I because uh, it captures all sorts of uh, excitement or frustration, right? So some people can say, I, 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 I. you know, some days happens. But this week, we're definitely excited to have Josh because Josh is... Uh, going to bring the flavor to the conversation about different different topics that is very close to AI and has a lot of good AI use cases. For example, VA, for example, blockchain, for example, metaverse, right? Um, Josh has lots of excitement uh, in his enthusiasm uh, for blockchain technology and uh, technologies that are data related. And anything that's data related that excites me, uh, I, I can tell you data is not excited to a lot of people, but it is to me. And that's why I'm here every Wednesday doing this podcast. Um, I, I love talking about data because if there is this data component on anything, uh, it could translate to a good machine learning use case. But do you want to pursue machine learning using your money, your time and your energy uh, when there is not really th that great of a return of uh, investment? or ROD, return on data, right? Um, some of the use cases that I'm seeing today, especially with VA, right? VA has a suicide prevention AI, which is helping VA to understand how to uh, lower the cases of veteran suicide, which is near dear to my heart because I'm a veteran myself and I will not want to hear news of any of my veteran buddies or active duty buddies uh, that has gone through a situation where VA was not able to, you know, uh, detect, it, detect it early on and, and help them, um, uh, you know, not to go through the suicide. Uh, so that, that's a great, great use case. I, I am very excited about that because there's lots of data that we can use in order to prevent uh, veteran suicide. Um, and there's lots of data in medical field general because we have patient information, we have health information, uh, and then we have lots of uh, surveys and feedback that we put into the system that we can collect them all and research the data and try to help somebody who might not be aware of their mental situation or physical situation and help them with those data. And what's a better way to present that data uh, into machine learning, right? Machine learning automates this data so that way people are able to uh, capture 
uh, their their diagnosis and learn about their diagnosis and help themselves uh, with those data uh, because now you can take those data home with you instead of you know having it sitting in the medical record somewhere right electronic health record that is uh, not not accessible by a patient a patient is able to take those data home and do so much with them right um, with that Mike. Tell me, what is up? What is up with uh, AIs that you're looking at today and that is exciting you and uh, you know, you're very hopeful about the future? Mike, did I say Mike? Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Josh. <laughs> I was looking for you. Too <laughs> excited. Yeah. No worries. You can cut that off. <laughs> so that, um, did Mike. you got the mic now is what he meant to say. You got the mic. <laughs> you got the mic. You have the mic. You have the mic, Josh. No, no worries. So... So thanks, Asif. You know, as you had mentioned, one of the premier missions of the Department of Veterans Affairs is um, veteran suicide prevention. And it's really identified by, um, or it's, maybe it's really characterized in its success by identifying veterans who are displaying suicidal ideation and um, putting, you know, putting one of our um, care team members in front of them to try to intercept them and provide them the help that, that we can. Um, in the past, there have been a lot of different ways that the Department of Veterans Affairs tries to capture that sort of information and try to identify suicidal ideation. And, um, you know, we've been doing the best we could for the best we can for so long. And as technology has continued to evolve and improve, we've been able to really make a significant impact by leveraging the use of AI to target suicidal ideation and um, intervene with veterans. You know, we, we have uh, in my office, the National Artificial Intelligence Institute or the NI, we have a few different pilots um, that are currently being run through Washington, D.C., and, um, you know, we're seeing some significant success and we're hoping to, uh, to continue to make a difference in, in turning that around. Um, so as far as use cases, one of the um, suicide ideation um, programs that we're using is a natural language processing um, program that goes through veteran responses and free text to surveys to try to identify um, sentiment for suicidal ideation. This is much different than, you know, identifying just keywords. You know, there, there may be um, opportunities to filter words like kill and death. But then when you're like, when a veteran responds, that line was killing me, I could die for a Pepsi, right? Then yeah. that flags it. And <laughs> what AI allows us to do by identifying um, the sentiment in these statements is it allows us to reduce the false positives. And by reducing false positives, we can really make a, a better a better and more equipped difference to the contingent of folks that really need it. Uh, and that comes from one of our, um, one of our TechSpert winners, uh, SOCAT. And another program that we're currently uh, looking to pilot comes from another uh, TechSprint winner slash finalist, like, like, uh, like I just mentioned. And they have an app on your phone that uh, passively tracks the data and how you essentially, you know, what applications you're using, how long you're using them, things of that nature. And it actually registers, um, it registers how likely you are to fall in a, into different categories of mood. So maybe there's anxiety, depression, and how your activity on your phone relates to 
uh, other people doing those activities. Now, um, this is still sort of pending, I believe, and it's not quite finalized uh, in the sense that um, I think we're still awaiting for the contract to be awarded, so I'm not going to say who they are, but just incredible things. And this is just veterans uh, suicidal ideation. You know, over the past year that I've been with Anai, I have seen um, AI applied to imaging, whether it's x-rays, MRIs, uh, CAT scans, I've seen it applied to, and, and by the way, um, you know, our office, the, the, or my office, the NI, we do text prints where we, um, we identify a use case, we open it up to the public, we list it on challenge.gov, and we ask people to come and participate. And there are cash prizes, but more importantly than cash prizes, you get to maybe save lives right? Lives of veterans um, make a difference in their, in their livelihood and their day-to-day. -day. And, um, you know, in addition to just saving lives and winning a cash prize, if you need another incentive, a lot of these opportunities that people find when they compete in, in our tech sprints is that they find a good relationship with the VA and potentially open, it potentially opens doors for them from a business or government standpoint, because now whenever they go out and apply for any sort of jobs or any sort of contracts, the government, they can say, I won this prize at the Department of Veterans Affairs doing this, this thing, right? So right now, and I say all this because right now we have a tech sprint going on for a program called Aspire. And we're looking for another tech sprint probably next year and, uh, or probably early next year. And I expect that it's going to cover like one of the use cases that we discuss today. So um, I would encourage anyone, by the way, I'll just put a plug in here. I would encourage anyone who is listening, if you have an interest <laughs> in AI or participating in an AI tech sprint uh, to potentially save some veteran lives or improve their well-being and potentially also win a cash prize, please go to www.va.gov and look for, it's under research, the National Artificial Intelligence Institute. And maybe I can convince uh, Asif and or lucky to put our website up um, on their podcast. So that's the first thing, right? We, we do these text prints and some of the people that I'm gonna tell you about, including the two I just mentioned, the AI use cases they're solving, they came from these text prints. So those first, the first one was suicidal ideation. I mentioned two companies with two different products that are both you know, being looked at to make a significant difference. So the next one is imaging. So imaging, um, like I said, you know, we've been using uh, AI imaging in the VA across the country for uh, to identify things that, or even to assist clinicians in identifying things. You know, Asif and I have spoken at length before about making sure we keep the human in the loop and that AI right. is not a decision maker, but they are a, more of a consultant role, especially when it comes to health and well-being. And a lot of the a lot of the um, of the successes that we're seeing across the country are AI imaging professionals, or I'm sorry, imaging professionals, clinicians using AI programs to help help them make an informed decision, and um, and that's you know it's one of the things that the VA as a whole um, has mentioned in their AI use cases uh, is imaging, and it's imaging like I said, so you have your radiological imaging for your uh, your x-rays, your MRIs. We have folks that are doing um, retinal imaging uh, and using AI programs to identify uh, things for retinal imaging. And 
imaging as a whole, especially you know, with uh, some of this more recent, uh, some of the more recent legislation coming out, such as the PACT Act, Act, imaging as a whole is is really a burgeoning area in the VA for AI. It's been a very strong area for a while, and it's only going to continue to gain to gain traction. So, uh, to any of your listeners out there who are interested in AI imaging, um, there's there's always going to be a place in healthcare and particular in the VA for various imaging programs, especially as they get specialized. You know, a lot of the, the different types of solutions that we're seeing, they need to be sort of tailored to the veteran population. You know, whether it's NLP, natural language processing, or whether it's something else, veterans are exposed to much different things. Veterans are also in a community where they express themselves in different ways than your typical civilian population. As such, these off-the-shelf uh, AI solutions from your large organizations, they really need to be tailored to the veteran community. Um, you know, there's a lot of military lingo that we use that may not uh, that may not make sense. A lot of acronyms that we use, you know, so natural language processing is a big deal. But also, you know, veterans are at a higher risk of being exposed to plutonium, chemical, uh, chemical agents, biological agents, um, and not even necessarily because of chemical or biological uh, weapons, just because of where they are. You know, I, I can tell you this. Burn when, when, I was, when I was overseas, I was in Iraq and uh, we rolled up on this, this little Bedouin house, okay, a little Bedouin farm. And we were talking with the, uh, the farmer that lived there and the question was asked, what happened over there? My, uh, my squad leader points over to this area off to the side where there were some sheep bones. The farmer says, they all went over there, they ate something, and they all died right there. But we looked at each oh other, we looked at each other, the first thing, <laughs> the word anthrax just got thrown up there. And we're like, yeah. all right, time to go. Oh, you know? time to go. Oh so you never know, you know, you never know what you're exposed to when you're in, uh, when you're in places like that, where people have seen like, where, where people have seen these, these terrible uh, tragedies and like war torn areas, you just never know. And our veterans are exposed to those things. I mean, obviously burn pits are something that's been getting a lot of, uh, getting a lot of attention. We can look at um, the 9-11 responders, you know. And the kinds of things that they were exposed to. I mean, I think that um, they are, they have one of the highest ratings to have uh, lung cancer and breathing problems and heart disease because they were exposed to things that just nobody else is, you know, they're like very few people are around burning jet fuel and, you know, melted plastics and burning buildings. It just doesn't happen quite as often as when you're a first responder, emergency responder, military personnel. You know, so I think it's important that we identify that because of these characteristics, these AI solutions that are coming in to be present to the be presented to the VA specifically, they really need to be tailored and adjusted to uh, accommodate the veteran population. And that's actually why we've been seeing so many great successes come from these small businesses, because they are able to spin up a working product from the ground up. They're a small business, so they already have a little bit of preference. And those are the people that seem most interested in our tech sprints because we're able to make it a bit more worth their time than you know the big the big dogs that you hear about in the AI space. Wow! So you're talking about head to toes covering um, all sorts of use cases, just in, just within the human body. But when it comes to a veteran, you know, uh, 
VA probably has the largest data set available in, in many aspects, right? Um, because uh, Veterans Administration uh, has a huge research and development budget. So I think, you know, with what you just said about TechSprint, uh, it all makes sense that, you know, VA takes initiatives that actually helps, you know, the hospitals and uh, healthcare organizations that does not have these kind of bandwidth to uh, have research and development done. And the data that VA can provide to these uh, use cases outside of uh, government and governmental agencies, like in public and private side, um, will be highly beneficial. So uh, thanks thanks for VA for you know taking this initiatives because uh, when we talk about mental health, you have natural language processing and here you go with the image uh, where, you, where you're able to do better x-ray, better MRIs. You know, uh, if, if there's a, a dye that goes through your bloodstream and is able to detect things uh, using visualization uh, and machine learning is creating that accuracy for that, you know, uh, what, what's in your bloodstream and what sort of information we need from your blood test. Um, those are very powerful data sets to have because now you can take that data for the rest of the world and say, you know, where, what is the, where is this coming from? What's the solution to this, right? Uh, we, we can, you know, look, um, when we talk about like head to toe, you know, you got, you got, you got brain, you got blood, you got body images, like bones and stuff like that. And then just the way we live, right? It, it, it the, the, the recommendation that AI machine learning can provide from this data set, will be able to say like, no, the recommendation is you eat this sort of food, right? Because we tested you from head to toe. Um, this is the food we recommend for you because you have a specific type of need for diet, right? You have a specific lifestyle that you have to maintain. I mean, look, I can tell somebody like, don't sit down for 24 hours a day or just sleep and eat, sleep and eat. Don't do that. Like do other activities. But if you're able to diagnose it tailored to their needs, boom, you know, you have that happening. Um, so yeah, Josh, uh, I, th- I see your eyes just, you know, uh, you know, very excited right now. So what do you get to say about that? <laughs> so it's really, um, you're absolutely right. You know, we even, because of the scope, so I am excited. It's hard for me to get it out, right? Um, right, right, right. <laughs> one of the most important aspects, if not the most important aspect of AI and what it provides us is an a a hopefully, right, or a hopefully non-biased or minimally biased assessment of large amounts of information. Humans are generally not very good at processing large amounts of information, but we are good. Right. But we are good at generalizing and making decisions in context. Computers are not very good at that. So when you put them together, we really have a, a recipe uh, for success here. You know, by using AI for what it's good for, which is generally analyzing a large amount of data, we can do incredible things. So one of those things actually is um, is analyzing things like, you know, uh, stool samples, for example, mm-hmm. using AI, right. Right. and uh, and you know, promoting nutritional aspects using AI. Um, and these are just, you know, these are the specific healthcare items. But we can even move it farther because every place, let's say um, every large organization has, has some sort of structure that needs attention or some sort of, of piece that needs attention. So we could even um, you know, do something like 
run through our veterans benefits office paperwork and identify, you know, what could use attention, uh, identify patterns or, or things of that nature. You know, one of the books that I've recently read, um, and this is not VA specific, but one of the books I recently read was that it was uh, Thinking Fast and Slow um, by Daniel Kahneman. Daniel and, Kahneman, yeah. And one of the things that he goes over is the, um, the biases that people present depending, essentially, depending on when they had lunch, you know? And, and we as people also have this tendency to make decisions that are in comparison to other things going on. So he goes over, he uses crime in his book, for example, right? So someone who commits a crime um, may only get three months in jail, okay? Depending on what the crime is, maybe they're jaywalking. And then if the judge has already had a jaywalking case that day, or maybe that week, then they're more likely to assign a a very similar time frame, a very similar punishment to someone who has a very similar crime. Um, and that's like the comparison bias that we have. Now, the other one is uh, people are generally more inclined to be less generous leading up to lunchtime and more inclined to be more generous after lunchtime. Now, we've analyzed this before with simple things like people have a tendency to be in a better mood after lunch, right? People have a tendency to... <laughs> Uh, people have a tendency to want to keep their meetings right before lunch shorter because they have something <laughs> they're preoccupied with. So these are all the human biases that we have to deal with. Um, and those don't go away when we use AI. So we really need to be, um, to be cognizant of that, that even if AI gives, even if we feed AI good data and we get good results, if the human being is still making the decision, then we have to make sure that we're that we're doing it as fairly as we can. Um, because even though you can have trustworthy AI, um, theoretically, right? That's all still being discussed and worked out, but assuming you can have trustworthy AI, then you still are going to need to have an equitable person um, assigning the decisions or doing the decision-making. Yeah, we, we've Stop seen it up, Lucky. Um, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Chop it up, Lucky. <laughs> There's lots to unfold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen AI bias in, in the past where I, I think there was um, a, an AI that was designed to help police officers somewhat in areas uh, with policing and helping them, you know, at least address crime in, a, in an area. And they found that poorer neighborhoods because the AI was already already had previous data where, you know, I guess cities or or neighborhoods that are you know on the other side of the railroad tracks because they already had that activity in the data showing more activity in that area it would feed officers information about biases that those areas have higher crime only because of the data but it doesn't necessarily represent the actual area but there's a human bias that was built into the data only because of the amount of data or the how the data was presented so there's always ways where you're going to see human biases somehow come out with AI. And, and that's great. I mean, for me, that's that's we're always going to see something like that. But we, we learn from that. We, we start to build better systems from that. We start to develop, OK, our human bias is this, just like you said. Now, now that we know that we can start to develop against that. 
You know, um, I, I've developed a few things in the VA and, and I've talked about it in the past. And it's really interesting that we talk about how AI is helping focus and make things clearer, see things that we're not seeing and, and make that more apparent. And the development of those types of technologies is fantastic. Being able to see disease states, help veterans if they're going through PTSD, if they're going through some kind of emotional period that we're, we're proactively being able to identify that. And that's, that's fantastic that, you know, I, I've known a lot of veterans, you know, that have been affected in different ways, you know, being part of the VA for 20 years, uh, from one thing, like you said, chemical, uh, exposures like uh, agent orange to like being out in the battlefield with, with the, with the burn piles. And for me, it's whatever we can do for the veteran. And I really admire what you're doing. It's fantastic work. Um, it only it, I, I'm only curious to what's going to happen in the future. You know, there's systems now that was just posted here re recently. Microsoft um, is creating a whole new AI cloud initiative. And I know that in the VA, we already tied and, and, and in some cases, the network, a lot of different people already tied to Microsoft. So there's already different machine language models there for us. So I think there's some options there. I'm using that to take advantage of the security side and I'm hoping in one day that maybe we can also take care, take advantage of that on the medical side. And, and I know there's a lot of opportunity there just in the news today and without taking up most of the people, you know, there's new, uh, there's new information uh, here recently with Microsoft. Microsoft is the news like three different places with NVIDIA uh, creating a whole new partnership with NVIDIA so they can provide the right type of hardware for AI and, and develop a whole new level of processing. They also did a, another thing. Uh, Microsoft made the first classified network with Lockheed Martin. And Lockheed Martin, if, if people aren't aware, is one of the first to develop uh, an AI factory. So there's a lot of AI news where people are trying to develop and bring out AI. And where maybe a year ago, AI was not even a buzzword. It was more like uh, something you saw on TV. And so now it's become more realistic. I, I'm really, I have a pleasure, you know, it's a pleasure being able to hear a lot of these initiatives in, in the VA. Um, do, you, do you guys see it growing anymore, the VA, your, your team and the, the VA over the next few years? Or how do you see AI growing in the VA? That's a great question. Um, first, I want to say, and just kind of touch back to what you mentioned, uh, I am both honored and humbled to be on this team. Uh, not just my office, but as part of such um, such an incredible mission as as we have in the VA. Um, it, it's still every day I wake up uh, still very proud. I'm a veteran as well. I don't know if I meant no, I did, I did. But uh, yeah, I'm a veteran as well, and and um, and uh, every day it's you know it's a pleasure to continue to do this, um, despite you know the government hurdles that that sometimes pop up and, and the red tape. Um, so the first thing is our office, the NI, is a little bit over two years old. So we are still growing and we're trying to grow uh, in a sustainable but rapid way. And we're looking to branch out and have other, um, we'll call them strategic centers, strategic NI centers placed through the United States. Uh, and I expect that we're going to continue to hire and expand our team in order to support that mission. Um, the next thing is that we are expecting 
and I'm not, to be honest with you, I, I don't recall if this is the VA specifically or the government workforce, but I believe it does affect the VA that, that we're looking at over the next 15 years or so, a significant amount of our workforce leaving. And, um, mm -hmm. and based on the, uh, the numbers for both hiring and retention that we've seen, we won't be able to keep up with the, the people in the VA that are leaving. And that'll include, you know, clinicians, administrators, uh, IT folks, all, all that sort. So the hope is, and this is a big hope on my end, but the hope is that we'll be able to use um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and the, the evolving technologies that they pre present to us, um, that we'll be able to use those to help that transition as as we see and if we see this decline in uh, the workforce over time. You know, some of the things the VA has certainly done right, in my opinion, my personal opinion, is uh, increase the ability to present community care to veterans. So for those of you who may not know, community care essentially is that veterans who go to their local VA or their local um, cl VA clinic or local VA hospital, they oftentimes have an option to see a local provider in the community um, on the back of the VA's dime. And that was one of the, one of the greatest, I think, changes that we've seen over the last so many years. And, and I'm hoping that we continue to see the VA evolve to address the needs of its community like that. Um, because, you know, the expectation is that the VA workforce and the government workforce as a whole is going to see some challenges over the next 10 to 15 years. Oh man, look, um, th th these AI use cases are uh, becoming more abundant after 70 some years of having AI research and AI development. Uh, the possibilities are all coming together because we have been collecting data. And one of the issues that we have with data right now is the data privacy, safety and security. And I wanna touch on that real quickly because you uh, have lead um, you, your effort has led to, you know, releasing a paper specifically on safety, privacy, uh, and, and security of uh, machine learning development. Um, so please some, shine some light on that because I think we discussed it over and over because yeah. we, this, this podcast, we kind of go into like managing expectation of AI, which could be that it's really bad or it's really great right? Uh, the spectrum is very wide. In between, you have lots of doubts, right? Um, so, so tell us a little bit more about that paper, Safety, Security, and Privacy of AI Machine Learning. And, you know, what, what was your thought on it? And how did you uh, get involved with it? So, um, so regarding the, the Safety, Security, Privacy paper, uh, I am affiliate as, as a CIF as well, um, and probably lucky uh, but I'm not 100% sure of your affiliation, but we're affiliated with a nonprofit organization called ACT-IAC. And within that organization, uh, Steve and I collaborated in the Artificial Intelligence Working Group. And in that working group, I was, um, you know, I was honored to be able to participate in the development of a paper, which Asif uh, spent considerable time and effort on. Um, and that outlines privacy, security, and safety from an AI perspective. Um, so both how to keep AI private, secure, and safe, and about how we can use AI to help improve our individual and group privacy, security, and safety. And um, it was a tremendous lift, the paper itself. Um, 
you know, it was, I think we ended up somewhere between 30 and 40 pages of a paper. Um, and the paper itself was in response to the executive order 13960 on trustworthy AI, where they released the, I believe, nine tenants of trustworthy AI, maybe seven, I can't quite remember. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, trustworthy AI is where the paper stemmed from. And we were, we were able to use some of the works that ACT-IAC had previously completed, such as the ethical AI framework. Um, and we had great thinkers in the group. I think your last podcast guest, or maybe maybe two podcasts ago, was Amicia Elliott. She's brilliant. That's right. Uh, That's and right. she she basically championed the uh, the paper from the privacy group. You know, she uh, she wrote the executive summary. And I mean, listen, when you have people of her caliber and talent working on a project like this, then the only way, the only way that the project itself is not going to come out excellent is if the other people in the group stop moving forward. And Amy was, uh, Amy and Asif, you and uh, a few others in the group were able to really drive that motivation and get the paper to completion. Um, so, so if we have a moment, I can talk a little bit about trustworthy AI and the executive order. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I'd, I'd love to hear it because for me, responsible AI and privacy, oh, man, we've talked about it at length almost at every podcast. So definitely, yeah, anything you can give us to enlighten us. All right. So I was going to drop a link in chat for you gentlemen, but um, I can do that later. So trustworthy AI. Awesome. Um, so executive order 13960 um, was issued, I believe, December 2020, and it governs um, artificial intelligence and how the United States essentially uh, can move forward using tenants described to create an artificial, uh, basically a framework for artificial intelligence where uh, it is, I mean, the, the short version is where it's safe for people to use and it's safe to be used with people, right? So, so some of those tenants, for example, are accuracy, reliability, that it's purposeful, that it is safe to use, that it delivers um, you know, secure results or that it delivers um, reliable results, that it's done in a safe and secure fashion. And trustworthy AI, has been a significant driving force for our AI use cases over the last um, almost year now. So uh, there are a number of requirements that came out of the executive order, such as uh, agencies had to form a, or agencies had to appoint a responsible artificial intelligence official. Uh, agencies had to compile a list of their AI use cases and evaluate whether or not they were fit to be released to the public. And the only way that uh, agencies were unable to release them to the public is if they were exempt from a uh, Freedom of Information or FOIA request, right? Or if they had some sort of, um, uh, like they, they, um, they, you needed a clearance to observe them, right? They were secret or top secret, they had, they had some sort of classification. So, so as a result, a number of agencies uh, released their artificial intelligence use cases uh, on a website called www.ai.gov. You can actually look at the use cases that were released and publicized. Um, so the VA had, you know, I think we put out 
around 50, but we're going, I expect we're going to have uh, a significant number more this coming year. Um, all in all, I think the total response was 1,100 AI use cases were submitted. Um, not, <laughs> not all of them, not all of them Love went it. to, well, not all of them went to the public, um, but this is an annual requirement. So every year, this, this use case inventory has to be done. The responsible AI official has to, uh, well, the responsible AI official is responsible for going through these use cases and making sure that the AI that is being used to fit the use case is trustworthy in accordance with the executive order. So um, you know, I'm proud to say that our director in the National AI Institute here at the VA, Dr. Gil Alterovitz, he's our responsible AI official for the VA, uh, my director, and he is, you know, he has done um, some tremendous work in both connecting with other responsible AI officials, but also work at the White House, work, you know, to, we'll say, um, as an advisor on this executive order, other executive orders, the AI Bill of Rights. Um, and, you know, we're very proud of the work that he does. And uh, we're very proud to be a part of his team because we're getting some, some incredible we're breaking some, we're setting some milestones, you know, and breaking down barriers as we move forward in this. So, um, so that's my, you know, my experience so far with trustworthy AI, we are expecting to, um, you know, to again, fulfill our requirement for this coming year. And um, I'm very excited to see how other agencies are also tackling this. Wow. So wow. Josh, look, uh, some, some great, uh, information there because um, not lots of AI enthusiasts or data enthusiasts is looking into these kind of uh, initiatives, right? Um, because they're so focused, right? Like when we talk about data and silos, we have our own brains in silos, right? Uh, our brain wants to hear what it wants to hear, what it wants to do. We want it fast. We want to design and develop quick and deploy and make money right now, right? Um, not make money, but see the results, uh, see the see the product at work, right? Um, but it takes a lot of patience, lots of work, lots of effort, lots of energy to do the right thing, right? Um, so we're talking about AI here. We're talking about machine learning. We're talking about data. And one of the components that we uh, don't really much discuss about the other sides of the data, which is, hey, you know, there's layers, there's blockchain, there's uh, metaverse that will utilize data. There is this uh, Web 3.0. I wanna, I wanna say clearly, it's Web 3.0. I'm not talking about Web 3. Um, so, like, give us some thoughts on that if you have the time. But I, I know you have to leave, but you can stop anytime. And be like, hey, I'm out. <laughs> but so, give us some thoughts on that. So. Um... I'll leave you with this, and uh, I, because I do have to go, um, and I'm hoping that I can come back and maybe better address this one. I'll leave you with two things. Okay, oh, the first yes. thing is the first thing is that one of um, one of the advisors that I, I had before he retired from government and went over to the civilian side, uh, he once told me that AI is one of the most important tools that we can use in government um for the betterment of our nation and that blockchain is the uh, is the railroad track to the train that is ai um that being said uh so the next thing so the next thing right 
The next thing is that uh, tomorrow I'm actually going to be speaking at the HIMS, at a HIMS blockchain panel for um, blockchain for healthcare. Um, and, you know, I'm still learning as much as I can as to uh, how blockchain can impact both uh, veteran healthcare and healthcare as a whole. So I'm hoping that maybe the next time you and I speak, I'll have a better, uh, more robust response because I'll have learned something else from people that, um, from people that that I look up to and have been able to share that with me. So, but um, there, yeah, we right now in my office, we are not doing much in the way of using blockchain. That's not a focus of uh, the AI Institute yet. Maybe it'll change. Uh, but I will tell you that we do currently have a contract in place that does use blockchain um, to uh, to help facilitate some interoperability. So I'll just leave that as a little teaser. Maybe we can talk about that another time. <laughs> Man, we're so looking forward to uh, having you come back um, because once you join, ay, 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 there's no way, you know, you can forget <laughs> us, right? You'll always want to come back because you're so excited and thrilled about AI machine learning. I want to come back and tell us all about the feature developments that are happening. So, yes, absolutely. You're already invited. Um, just put that on the calendar somewhere, you know? <laughs> um, with that, Lucky, uh, some departing thoughts, and then maybe Josh can give us some of his departing thoughts, then we'll cut this off. Yeah, we'll just, I'll keep it short. Just Josh, you and I and the VA sounds like you're doing it right. You're laying the groundwork. Yeah, I'm an old developer. I'm an old data warehouse manager. And so I, I, I know a little bit about data. And so I, I really like what you're doing. Um, the best of luck to you and everything that you guys do. And, and I'll be supporting you and cheering for you. And hopefully we'll see each other again, like you said, on another podcast. But thank you for being with us today. Hey, thank you very much, Lucky. I appreciate that. It was great to meet you. Uh, and I look forward to hearing a little bit more about your VA, um, your VA work, because I was not aware of that leading up to this call. Steve kept you a secret for me. So, um, oh, he's a gold. He's a gold. <laughs> um, so parting thoughts. Um, you, you, you hear and see a lot of things in the news, you know, and because the media is designed to bring you. It seems like nowadays the media is designed to bring you a lot of things that are um, potentially somewhat alarming because they have access to near instant, near instantaneous, infinite information. And there are a lot of alarming things that happen in our world. Um, and I think that, you know, it's important to take a few opportunities like this to really identify and, uh, and be proud of the positives that are happening because, you know, there's there are a lot of things around surrounding new technologies, um, you know, how it could be used for, um, you know, for negative, for negative aspects, whether it's war, whether it's um, theft. And it's really great to be a part of an organization that is using these, um, these, you know, still developing burgeoning technologies to bring um, health, wellness, and peace to, to such a disenfranchised group of people. So just uh, thank you for giving me a platform that I could speak to that. Ay, 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 ay. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> and then thank you, Lucky. Uh, until next time, we'll, see, we'll meet you soon. All right, thanks guys.